still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in the Sound United studio here in downtown Warren, Ohio. Still a beautiful place to come. It's our first recording since we've been able to get back into the studio due to the coronavirus. I'm very excited to have a very special guest here with me today. The head coach, former head coach. He's not retired. I'm sure he doesn't mind that, uh, doesn't mind the uh, retirement title. But former head coach of Warren Western Reserve and Warren Harding. Uh, Mr. Bob Larica, so thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Oh, this is my thrill. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anytime I get a chance to talk, as well, my friends will say. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing these stories and uh, of days of reserve. Now, I graduated in '90, so I wasn't at Harding when you had transitioned over to Harding and coached over there. But uh, I wanted to talk about some of uh, you. Just share some of the memories. Let's start off. You know when you. Uh, came to reserve, a couple stories of some teaching, or and then get into you started coaching the varsity team in 1980, correct? Correct. Um, did you coach before that, the JV or freshman? I did. I uh, my first year of teaching was at Turner Junior High School, and uh, uh, the two people that hired me was uh, Tony Baraducci and Nick Angelo, who is uh, still. Uh, a rock and worn. Everybody knows uh, Nick Angelo, and those were just two people that hired me. And to this day, uh, they told me that there was no coaching job the first year, and learn how to teach. And when a coaching job opens up, you'll probably get it. And uh, I'll never forget Nick, and I see him at the Italian Festival at least once a year. And uh, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, but always be a teacher first. Uh, if, you, if you're a teacher first, you'll never have any problem with people accepting you as a coach when they know that you go into the classroom and teach. And I, and I consistently learned about teaching. Uh, you can go to college about teaching until you get your feet wet. Um, there's no greater learning tool. Uh, that first year, we were lucky enough as eighth graders to go, uh, 15-0, and 0, and, uh, a man by the name of Paul Carlson was the JV coach, and he decided to get into business, so therefore, I was next man up, so I went from Turner Junior High to Western Reserve, and it was a eye-opening experience. And and needless to say, to this day, I get teased about being short. You know, <laughs> I, I I could probably start my own short war. Uh, but the image that I have, if you remember at all, the principal at Western Reserve was six foot six, and that was John Sharp. He was there before I was there. Yes, he was the original Raider, and he would even he would get dressed up even at six foot six and do crazy things. But you can imagine walking down the hallway at Reserve, which was an open school um, that was built close to when this open concept in school rooms happened. Instead of locking everybody into a room, they had open rooms and dividers. And, you know, education is just like American history. It all goes through phases. But I'm walking down the hallway at lunchtime. Now, I'm 5'6", he's 6'6". And 
the lunchroom was packed because at that time there were about 2,000 kids in that school. And he said, you think you can handle this? <laughs> of course I had to say hi, mm-hmm. uh, or not a hi, but yes. And uh, from that time on, I, I'm, you know, you learn how to teach and you learn how to handle it at your particular size. And I have a, a, a quick wit and uh, a loud voice. And, and those both happened and both helped me. Coach freshman five years. Uh, John Lawhorn, who probably changed basketball around in our community, when he came in, he made basketball important. Uh, rules were changing in the state of Ohio. When I began, when I began teaching, there were no summer camps. Ohio did not allow that, and the the open gyms and all those kinds of things just weren't in existence. And it all started to change. And John brought a lot of that change from where he was at, established booster groups, established public relations where he would send out what the basketball team was going to be like to all the media in the state of Ohio, Um, established a, a particular booster group just for basketball. A lot of the football people joined that. And uh, basketball just started to change and become important. Uh, he was there five years, and he left, and, and luckily I was his assistant, and I got the job by one vote. So <laughs> It was a voting process for this? Well, yeah. Um, the members of the Board of Education had to vote on you, oh. okay? And uh, uh, <laughs> I got it by three to two, and the superintendent and the athletic director were both, quote, on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, finished 14 and seven the first year. And that wasn't quite good enough. Uh, the year before they had gone 24 and uh, they had gone 23 and one. So if you go 23 and one, you lose your last game. Mm-hmm. But we got through it, uh, experienced some sophomores playing. And the next year was just an explosion. Uh, by an explosion, I mean we lost our first game to a very strong Youngstown Rand team. Rand was a power yeah. at that time. In fact, Youngstown was a power. If you can imagine, James, they had eight schools in yeah. Youngstown. Now there's two. Mm-hmm. Well, if you count Ursuline and, and, and Mooney as four. But uh, we lost to Rand, and we started winning and started winning and kept winning. So it was that feeling that maybe I was somewhere, not in the outhouse, but maybe close. And we went from maybe the outhouse to the penthouse in one year. We finished 19 and 1. It was a great experience. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm learning on the job too, mm-hmm. because you can be a JV coach, you can be a freshman coach, but until you get to be the varsity coach, you're not just coaching. You're taking care of all other kind of items in the school. Whereas you're an assistant, you come, your head coach says you do this, you know, and and it's a different experience. So we then actually won the district title. And we go to play uh, at Canton Civic Center. And one of my idols, and I'll, I'll go back to this in terms of what I think are some things that are concern me about basketball today 
But one of my idols, when we used to go to basketball camps, taking our team and stuff, I always followed a guy by the name of Jack Grenells. And he was, he was a country guy at Barberton. And he just, he played the routine of, you know, just laid back and stuff like that. And I used to follow him around at camp. Anything I could learn off of this guy. And he was a a philosopher versus, in sports, the X and O. We used to go to clinics, and you always want to find that play, that out-of-bounds play, that whatever that's going to change your life around. And Jack would never talk about that. He would just talk about kids, and it got a little flustering until I understood that he understood that the X and the O were people. That X and O looks good on paper, but it still has to be done by a person. Well, anyhow, my first regional game, which is when you make it to the regionals, there's only 16 teams left. It's a pretty big deal. It's about four minutes before the ball game, and he comes over to walk to me, walks me, he's got his hands behind his back. He says, hey, Bob, congratulations. Then he turns around and gives me a roll of toilet paper <laughs> and, and says, don't blank, 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 blank yourself tonight. <laughs> and to this day, uh, it still it makes, it, it brings a tear to my eye. And we, and we got beat in the last 10 seconds. Uh, because we had a play put in for that period of time, but we never practiced it much because we were winning bigger all the time. So that was my fault. I take the blame on that. And we go from there. And the next year we went undefeated. So now nobody knew my name in the state of Ohio. Now I'm speaking at clinics, mm-hmm. okay, which, you know, uh, so we had 39 in a row. Okay. Was that the start of the 45 game win streak? 46. 46? Yes. That was okay. the start. Well, that was the second part of it. See, they had, the winning streak only counts, um, regular season. Oh, okay. Cause you're always going to lose your last game of the year unless you win the state championship. Right. Who are some of the key players on, on those couple seasons? Those early squad, the early squads, you know, uh, John Lawhorn didn't play a lot of kids. He was of the theory back at that time he played six or seven kids. That theory's changed over the years. Um, but I only had one letterman back, and he was my size. <laughs> His name is Sheldon Brogdon. We love each other to this day. And his nickname was the Iceman. And Sheldon held us together that first year. Uh, we played a couple sophomores, played three sophomores a lot, uh, Mark Heron, Mark Ingram, and Jimmy Gilmore. Uh, and then we filled in with seniors, Mark Alexander, Teddy Jenkins, uh, Donnie Fowler. I kept a lot of seniors that year, something that um, is almost impossible to do today. We actually had eight seniors on the team and were playing sophomores. Uh, seniors won't sit the bench no more. Right. Uh, it, maybe you might find one, okay? And, and that leads to an interesting story. Like I said, James, ask me a question and I'll go from there. But there were eight seniors on that team, and we went 19-1. and one. Then we, f- we got beaten the regionals again. Uh, so we finished 23-2. and two. And, and to this day, all it, it, 
I, I want to speak to young coaches, but they don't want to speak. They, 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 they want to stay in their era. And that's probably one of the things that gets me the most is that in life, uh, everybody wants experience. You go to get a job and, and they want you to have experience. Well, now after all these years, I've got all this experience and nobody wants to talk. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably one of the my pet peeves. A lot of guys will say, hey, coach, I'd like to get together with you and talk some basketball. Now, uh, um, if I was getting paid, I still wouldn't get a cup of coffee, all right? But 30 years later, I run into one of these seniors on the team, and he says to me, you know, if you'd have played me more, we'd have won some more games. (laughs) I should have started. I let him speak his piece. I I wasn't going to argue at this particular time, and I said to him, you know, we went 23-2. and He said, well, if I'd have played more, it would have been better. Now, with that mentality, welcome to the world of coaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, but needless to say, it, it, I try to not to, to talk a lot about individual players because um, it's like going to a banquet. When you go to a banquet, I hated banquets because I was always worried I was going to leave somebody's name out. Mm-hmm. And there's always that person at the banquet can't wait to hear their name. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's their banquet. And so when you start talking about our teams, you might leave a player out. Somebody heard this and somebody heard that and coach didn't mention my name. All right. Well, it's almost impossible because that's the whole concept. It's a team. I mean, if you don't have a team atmosphere, your individuals are going to do you no good. But everybody will say that Jimmy Gilmore, fabulous athlete, fabulous kid, never gave me an ounce of problems. Never. Um, he was probably by far the best player. And I, I, I love watching Facebook. There's a young man in Warren who just does a just an outstanding, fabulous job of promoting Warren athletes. His name is David Baugh. Yeah. The worm. Now, he always starts who's the best and who's the best and who was that and who was this. Uh, you know, they, it, it's hard to say. you got to go back into, into basketball history. I, you know, I could walk downtown right here and find the first 20 people and ask them who Jimmy Gardner was. And they would go, I don't know. Well, Jim Gardner in 1963 was the state – Player of the year from Warren Hardy. Huh. Did not know that. Six he was six foot eight, six foot nine, which was big for that time. Yeah. Um had two sons that went to the academies, and he still walks and ride bikes and he's in Niles now. And uh here he was, state player of the year. And you and you're trying to compare somebody who was the second leading scorer in nineteen eighty seven somewhere. It's almost an impossible. But needless to say, Jimmy Gilmore got us off, okay? He was the one. And there there were some underrated players. Uh, I like to call them overachievers. They're the kid that, that didn't start on junior high. Mm-hmm. And le- I could start on the junior. In fact, I will go to junior high right. if you don't mind. Not at all. People get so excited over junior high basketball. And this AAU where you're oh, watching yeah. games in third and fourth grade where the score is 10 to 4. 
It's amazing. There's nothing wrong with it, but they need fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And they're not getting fundamentals if they're playing all the time. So with that in mind, there's always players who are better in junior high school. They grow faster. They're quicker. They're stronger. And there was an undefeated Turner basketball team. I think it might have been about 1989, 90. And, there were, and, and I had the picture of it. So that Turner basketball team is now coming up to, to, to Harding at the time. Mm-hmm. It was Harding. And there were two kids in there who were the eighth and ninth men on this Turner basketball team. They are the only two kids who made it as seniors. The one kid who was the eighth man ended up being All-State. Wow. Richard Williamson. Just a self-made player, a kid who went out. Nobody thought he was going to, you know, he was gangly. You you, you take a kid in eighth grade, he might be 5'8", 5'9", but he gets pushed around a little bit uh, versus some kid who's 5'9", and muscular. And that kid will excel, but sometimes that 5'9 kid never gets any bigger. Right. Okay. Um, it, there's some amazing stories, but Richard Williamson was one who was a self-made player. Uh, talk about players, Elfie Birch, I have to mention Elfie, uh, only because Elfie was a three-year starter. And just a fabulous human being who has come back to warn and done some things. Mm -hmm. And Alfie Burke should have been a teacher. There's a lot of my kids who should have come back and been teachers because they would have really helped our community out. But uh, Alfie Burke was a three-year starter, and you want to talk about a a crazy story. So I knew he was a good athlete. He's in in 10th grade, and and we got him playing JVs like he should be. And that year, I kept a senior who... Never played before. Never played basketball before. Never played organized basketball. That's almost an impossibility and worn to make the team when you're a senior. Okay? The kid could jump out of the sky. So he comes out, and I'm going like, wow, where the heck's this kid been? And he actually starts. But right before the opening game, right in that area, he tells me now that I didn't know this. He's... He's, he was of a religion where he couldn't play on Saturday night. And I'm going, okay, this is a new one in my psychological book, all right? And we played a lot of Saturday games. Not to be confused, now they play very few Saturday games. Most of your leagues are Tuesday and Friday. Very seldom that administrators don't want to go out on a Saturday and yada, 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 yada. But we played, Warren still plays a lot of Saturday night games. So I'm thinking, now, what, what phrase am I going to use in this situation? So after we have a couple talks, I say to him, you know, if you really believe and whoever you believe in would understand that this is doing you some good, and it's only going to be about five or six times, I'm sure whoever you honor will understand if he's an understanding. We got four games in, maybe three. Play Kid plays well. And Alfie was playing JVs and dressing varsity. So I see Alfie in the morning. I said, Alfie, listen, you're going to play three-quarters of JVs. I mean, I can still remember. This is like 
I just walked by him right now. I said, you're going to play three quarters of JVs, and then you'll play two quarters, play two quarters of varsity. He says, fine. Right after that, the kid who had the religious problem walks up, sees me, says, Coach, I'm going to have to quit. Mm. I says, quit? He says, yeah, I just I can't do it. I said, well, I respect your decision. So now I have to look up where Elfie's at in class. I go up to the class, ask the teacher to speak to him. I said, Elf, listen, so-and-so quit. You just went from starting JVs to starting varsity. <laughs> He he never missed another start after that three years, and we still see each other because he's around the community, and and we just laugh about it so hard. It's one of the other you know great stories. I can tell you a lot of great stories. We're undefeated in '83, and this of course before cell phones, uh, before people communicated the way they do today, and I'm home. I think it was a Tuesday night. I my phone is ringing off the hook. There are people, you know, you hear stories like this. True story. There are people calling me who were fraternity brothers of mine who wanted to see the game because we're playing Akron Central. Hauer, uh, who was a power at that time, and they had a seven footer by the name of Grady Mateen. Our tallest kid was six four, and. Uh, it was crazy. Can you get me tickets? I can't get you tickets. <laughs> it's, it's 7 o'clock on the, that night. Phone's ringing off the hook. Next night, we play Central Hour. Uh, game went into overtime. We got beat. And uh, get home. And I'm home by game started at 7. Game's over quarter after 8. We ate next door at a restaurant. I mean, I'm home at 10 o'clock. Now I'm waiting for the phone to ring. Nobody calls me. We, I went from my phone getting worn out in 24 hours. Nobody knew the number. All right. <laughs> Another probably good story. I remember in elementary, I think it was probably, it had to be around 83. Uh, you came to our elementary school with, I think, I thought it was Jimmy Gilmore and and uh, Maurice, um, I can't remember his last Maurice name. Maurice Williams? Yes. He was and, a sophomore at the time. And you put on a little clinic for I, us I, all. Okay, was that McGuffey maybe? Seacrest. Seacrest. Mr. Well, Poniwaz was our okay. gym. All right. Yeah, I, re I remember doing that. We even had one, uh, we had cable vision. Yeah. That, that's another, that's just another <clears> phenomenal <throat> era. They had, we had, games were on TV. I mean, the only thing you hear about high school basketball are the games done by Chad Kraspinski out of Youngstown. Last year, there were no radio stations that did basketball. Not one game. Really? Not one game. And everybody says it's advertising. It's just hard. You know, the advertising market gets ate up by everybody for yearbooks and this and that mm. and this and that. And we did not have one basketball game on the radio. But uh, I do remember that. And also, we had a teacher at uh, Alden, which was next to us. And she was doing fitness programs at uh, local places. And she had one on cable. And she asked, you know, like my six, six of my first basketball players to do a, a cable thing where she was putting them through exercises. All right. And I still got that. I mean, I have a lot of things 
because there were a lot of stuff on TV at the time. It just was an amazing period. Yeah. I remember that, and I, I just remember watching uh, those guys put on that shooting clinic, and they didn't miss. I'm just watching them, and it's just they nailed everything. Everything. Well, you were young, and we probably moved the hoop down to eight. No, feet. <laughs> it was it was it was regulation. So I I get to reserve uh, in eighty seven because I graduated in ninety eighty six eighty seven, and uh, I remember Alfie, um, and then I remember uh, I still I'm, I cr- I cross paths with Alfie occasionally as well. Um, I remember what I remember was the state semifinal game. That was a, and the other thing I remember is reserve there were it was one year i think i was a freshman yeah i was a freshman we had a couple six five guys olin <clears throat> i can't remember olin's last olin name. mallory olin mallory six two he was only six two i thought he was six five he's six two so I, my memory's way crazy then well you know <laughs> a lot of people think we were bigger and we really, we had uh, in 86, who graduated in 86, you were been a freshman. We had Eric Douglas. Okay. Who was a big kid. Uh, but we've just never had height there. No, no. We never had <clears throat> six, 10 guys, six, eight, nine, 10 guys. We always had a smaller squad. And I remember that my junior year, which would have been the state semifinal, Eric Westbrook, 6'5, correct? Probably weighed 150. 5'11. No, Eric Westbrook was the center, right? Oh, Westbrook. Westbrook, yeah. No, he was Eric was six five, but he was a sub. Yeah. He played huge in the tournament, if memory serves yeah, me. He correct. did play well. He I, did play well off the bench. Uh, uh just watching him play. Um so what I what I want if you could remember <clears throat> final seconds of that game, I think reserve was down three and we got fouled. Can you pick down up three. that story? Yeah, down down three with about three seconds to go. That was a heartbreaker. And uh, so when you go to the foul line, you get fouled. I mean, you, you get fouled, you go to the foul line, and it, it, you have to make your first shot. I mean, this is something you teach the kids. And you have to miss your second one, and you have to get the rebound. Well, the odds of that are extremely low. But at that time, and they've changed it now, there were kids in this first – there's a spot closest to the hoop. Mm-hmm. At that time, the rules had kids in there, mm-hmm. all right? Now they've taken that person out of there. Yeah. We actually had a play for that. I, I know you're going to say, how do you have a play for that? <laughs> well, our kids did a certain type of diagonaling and, and spinning. And Long story short, Eric Winters made the first shot, missed the second one. We got three tips to tie the game. Three tips, and none of them went in. Yeah, I remember. I, my, I can still see it in my mind's eye. The frustration. <laughs> okay, oh. so you talk about funny stories. You talk about height. All right, back about. Uh, we had a manager. His name was James Dunklin. I remember him. Really nice guy. James was a great kid. He's passed away. He had diabetes. Um, I even had the pleasure of being in James's wedding. All right. Uh-huh. So James just got bigger and bigger. He was probably six six, right? Nothing against him, just couldn't play basketball. Right. Tried a little bit, just couldn't navigate up and down the court. So we, we go down early to the state tournament and we're gonna practice. Uh we practiced at Upper Arlington High School and we walk in together. 
okay, go to the locker room. So I come out, and three or four different people said, hey, who's the big kid? Big one, husky kid, who's he? I said, he's my manager. So now they think I'm putting them on, right? <laughs> Another Lorica sideline, okay? He's our manager. No, you're full of it. He's not your manager. I said, he is my manager. And so when we came out, he came out with the balls and everything like that. And they said, oh, my God, you were telling us the truth. I said, he can't play, but he's a great kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, uh, I think it was a district tournament, district title. Uh, it's Struthers Fieldhouse. Go ahead. I think I was a freshman. That would have been 87. We won that. And I think it was against Harding. Yes. And I remember the field house was so loud, so loud. And I'm watching you trying to coach the kids and then in the timeout and then on the floor. And I, I don't remember where I, if I saw, read this in the paper, maybe it was in class, in school, you would maybe mention it there. But he's, you made the comment, there's a difference between yelling at someone and yelling over the crowd so they can hear you. Because you were you you were the crowd it was just so loud. Obviously, it was Harding Reserve, and that's another memory that sticks out for me was that particular game and you trying to navigate the noise of that game. John Lawhorn in 1976. You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm rattling these years off. I, I don't. I'm having a hard time figuring out how I got here from Niles, <laughs> but I can give you the year. John Lawhorn came in in 75, 76, and didn't use a whistle. No whistle. Everything stopped on dead ball. Dead ball, dead ball, dead ball. Until it just became, you now in practice heard his voice. He wasn't blowing a whistle every time you wanted to stop. I've never used a whistle since 1976. Hmm. When I give lessons down the wellness center, uh, that's the first thing I teach him. And it, it follows in this story right here. Uh, if you have the ball in your hand and you are ready to shoot the ball, and I say dead ball, you stop. And that's pretty hard for young kids to comprehend because they still think that they can do that because somebody let them do that. You know, y'all, people say they talk about discipline. Uh, there's all forms of discipline. Most, the, the greatest form of discipline is mental discipline. If you don't have mental discipline, you can't do anything. Right. You can't get up in the morning to go to work. You can't sit yourself down when you don't want to and take an hour and put it into your life. Now, maybe that hour is better when you get up in the morning. I never forget being a young kid in school. I could never do geometry at night. But I would always get up in the morning and that geometry came to me. So there is nothing greater than mental discipline. That's that's what discipline is. Mm -hmm. All right. So part of that with the navigating my voice above everybody else's is that the kids learn to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. The kids learn to hear your voice. I still got kids walking around yelling at me, dead ball, coach. <laughs> dead ball. Story from that, I think. What am I trying to uh, – I had it and I, I, I lost it. Well, but. tell about – talk about that game 
against Harding in the field house. Okay. I'm going to try and pull out some of your memorable games. I, I, Is this the 87 or the 89 when we shouldn't have won? 87. Let's go to 89. Okay. Let's go to 89. Your show. Because that is, well, whenever you say dead ball, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to so, file that away. <laughs> so uh, we got beat by Harding twice. I remember that. That year. We didn't just get beat. We got beat. In uh, the whole stories of the Warren Harding West Reserve rivalries, we lost those two games by probably more than any other year. So, uh, the last game of the year, we're playing Hubbard. And uh, on the Thursday, I find out we our, our tournament game is going to be on Monday. On Thursday, I find out that, uh, or Tuesday, one of something like that, that I can't get to gym Saturday morning. The only time to get it was 8 o'clock. Because if you remember, they played tournament games there. So mm-hmm. these other teams were practicing or they were getting ready. So I said to the team on Thursday night practice, I said, we can't get to gym on Saturday unless it's 8 o'clock. Now, you, you got to know your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one thing that never worked very well was 8 o'clock practices. But it wasn't only the kid. The coach didn't like them either, mm-hmm. all right? 10 o'clock, fine. Not 8 o'clock. So I said, we got two choices here. We're either going to have to practice at 8 o'clock or we're going to have an hour walkthrough after the game Friday. Mm. Now, they chose after the game. Now, someone else heard me say this, and one of my players called me, said, I don't remember us voting on that. Oh, I said, yeah, we did. You just remember what kind of government we had. He stopped and thought. I said, remember, our government is a democratic dictatorship. You're the Democrats and I'm the dictator. <laughs> so after the game, we go in quickly and change into our practice uniforms. And our first, and this is in Hubbard's gym? No, that's our gym. Our gym, okay. Our gym. Oh, you're playing Hubbard. That's yeah. right. Okay. But Hubbard's not even <clears throat> dressed yet. We're out on the court. And our two routines that start off, we're jumping rope and stretching. So we're jumping rope already, and out comes the Hubbard team. And I don't know what they thought, that I was a villain and I was punishing them for only winning by X amount of points or something like that. And then our and then our scouts came in after going to watch the team that we played, and we went through things. They were out by 11 o'clock. You know, but it was a a unique situation for that period of time. It's interesting you bring that story up because there was always the rumor that uh, you after a game, and I don't know the game. All I remember being told was after a game that reserve had lost, you were so mad you punished the kids by making them practice after the game. So that's probably what that was. That, that might have been the story, <laughs> but I'll give you one. Uh, I'll give, see, the longer we talk, the more the stories come out. If you remember reserve, the gymnasium was cut off, and they used to lock the doors from mm-hmm. the inside. With lo- Okay? They used mm-hmm. to lock the doors. So uh, we had a Tuesday night game that I wasn't real happy about, so I sat in the office watching the video. You, you know, you, you hear about stuff like this, it happens, okay? So I'm the only guy there. Well, in order to get out, after 11 o'clock, you have to open the 
the lock first. And then when you left the door, you had to keep your hand in there and pull this lock back together on the, uh, on the inside. Well, that's about quarter after 11. I'm looking around on my desk. I can't find my keys. Story it goes is that my manager took them home. Mm. Now, again, no cell phones, none of that kind of stuff. Thank God I had the custodian's number who lived very close. So we had a phone in the office, and I called somebody to come and pick me up. So I get home, and I call that manager. He says, needless to say, you're a little mad at me, aren't you? I said, needless to say. He said, well, he said, I don't have your keys where they're at. They're locked in another room in the gymnasium. I left him sit there in the storage room. And I said, okay. <laughs> oh, geez. We still, that kid is a good friend of mine today. <laughs> oh, he's, he's almost 50. He's, <laughs> he, and he's a great friend of mine, which is a, another story. I have a lot of great friends who I taught. That, that's one of the, the, the best, the best, best parts of uh, teacher coaching are the, are the friends that you have later on. And I don't, you know, it's not like I'm seeking. It right. just so it, it just happens. it just happens. Yeah, it just so happens. Give me uh, so let's talk about. I want to talk about some of the mo- most memorable games. So we're going to start with, um, we're going to start with Harding, and then for some reason I'm thinking Reserve and Youngstown South had some epic battles too. So let's um let's Good talk one. with Harding. So t- tell me one to two of your most memorable games. Probably the first the, the first time we beat them. You know, I mean, like very first time you ever very coached. F- yeah, very first time we ever beat them. Okay. We beat them at home. I uh, think they beat us the next game, but that that's very very memorable. Not as many not as many stories from it, but just memorable that we beat them. And Harding was very well coached. Uh, Who Bill, was the coach? Then? Bill Kovach. Bill, Bill was an excellent coach. Uh, we always just thought, and and I I just pumped it into the kids. Just pumped it and pumped it and pumped it. That when two good teams played, two things are very important. One, the most important is who knows the most fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. When a play breaks down, fundamentals take, take over. And the second one is who gets the loose ball? And if you ever saw any of the Harding Reserve games, and, and James, by the way, I'm I'm going to throw a little thing in. I have a ton of games on DVD. Uh, I put a, <laughs> hours and hours, ran, broke two DVD copy <laughs> machines, okay? Uh, probably spent just $300 just on DVDs alone, but I've got a ton of them. It, Ten bucks for the first one, five bucks for the second one. Just help me buy another DVD again, okay? Deal. They're 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 <laughs> they're half and they're you put the V the old VHS in, yeah, and then you record onto the DVD. Uh, had one, wore it out. Bought another one, wore that out. Bought a third one, and they didn't send me the remote, so the remote don't work. And if you don't have the remote anyway, that's that's a whole other okay. story. But got a lot of great DVDs. But the uh, the '89 game when we got I started this story, we got beat twice hard. Um, we had a couple days there to uh, practice. So the first 
practice starts early in the year, you go two hours, and it just continually goes down. It's the um, economic term, the point of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. you, you could practice two hours, but your practice is really done in an hour and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. okay? other, other than that, you're just there's some kind of self-satisfaction here of some sort, but it's the point of diminishing returns. So at that time, we practiced an hour 15 minutes. And always half of that practice was some form of fundamentals, um, of which people still don't believe me sometimes. You know, there's the old thing out that, uh, and I got to tell you, if you, if you want to irritate me, uh, all you got to do is tell me I just rolled the balls out to those kids. All right. It doesn't irritate me like it used to. Yeah. But it, because I got good at it, I said, oh, yeah, but I want to tell you something about rolling balls out. I can do it with two hands. I can do it behind my back you know, rolling balls out to them. So it got to be with them. I would tell them, you know, there are coaches out there that think I just roll the ball out to you. And it got, it, it, over the years, it got to be an intertwining story among our players. Hey, coach, you just going to roll the balls out today? <laughs> like everybody says you do. And, and, and it, was a, it was a joke between us. But our practice only lasts an hour and 15 minutes. So the first practice we had, I was done at 45 minutes. And the kid says, are we going to watch video and get a scouting report? Because we put scouting reports out for every team we played, probably three or four pages, and we always watch video. I said, no. What do you mean, no? I said, we played them twice. They kicked our butt. You know everything they do. You know all their players. Why do I got to do this for you? Oh. Well, are we going to? No. I said, but I'll tell you what we are going to do. You're all going to go in there and take your socks off and your shoes and your top, and we'll go on swimming. So if you knew where our locker room was mm -hmm. at, the pool was right there. Mm -hmm. Made everybody go in the pool, even the ones that didn't know how to swim or hanging on the side, okay? Others could swim. Others just stood. Coaches came in, jumped off the side, and that, that was our practice. Was it just what, – what was your thinking theory strategy behind that? You know, sometimes you never know. So don't let somebody tell you that you always know the answer. Sometimes it's you just, just don't know. You just don't know. It's a gut feeling that, what am I wasting my time piling this into us? We have to go out there and make some shots. Stop being former. All right. And, but we got to make shots. So the next day, boy, I can't believe how I can see this stuff in my mind. One of the best coaches in our area was a guy by the name of Bob Patton. Mm hmm. Liberty, right? Yes, and Liberty was going to practice after us. So our kids were going through some foul shooting. I had our coaches assigned to different hoops, and I had a couple seconds to talk to Bob. He says, hey, uh, are your kids basketball smart, or, you know, do, do they really catch on fast like that? I said, yeah, this group does. I said, this group is basketball smart. Uh, we're sort of interchangeable a little bit because we don't have any size, so sometimes a guy could slide either way, inside or outside. He said, well, and he starts telling me about this zone defense that a guy used in a game because we basically played always man. And uh, he said he would start in the zone. And after the team threw three passes, they would jump, find whoever the closest man was to him and pick him up. He said sometimes they would do it with three, sometimes they would do it on the fourth pass, and they wouldn't do it all the time. He said, it, it works good against teams that reset. 
Reset means, let's say the ball goes to the wing, goes to the corner, and, and this team finds out that you're in something else. Well, instead of continuing to play basketball right at that point, they dribble it back out, throw it back out to the point, and start all over again. Mm -hmm. So this was perfect to use against Harding because that's what they did. So we would come down, and, and this is as old as elementary basketball. Every time you see the guy's hand straight up, it's a zone. I, I still don't know why coaches yell this out, to stick their hand up. You're just telling the other team what you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we did this about eight or nine times where we come up with our hands up and – they recognize zone, so they threw the ball to the wing, guys come across, split across, ball to the corner, back to the wing. And as soon as it went back to the wing, we jumped in the man. And they, they recognized it, yelled man, threw the ball back to the point, and we jumped in the zone. Mm. And we did that about 10 times that game which I still say was the difference in the game. And the second thing was we made shots. That was the biggest win ever. It wasn't the win to go to Columbus. That was the win because Harding had won 21 games in a row up to that point and ranked second in the state. Yeah. That was the great one right there. That was the big one. Talk about, uh, let's get a Youngstown South game, a memorable Youngstown South 1982. game. 1982. All right. 1982, the, uh, to this day, I'll be in Youngstown or Struthers or somewhere, and a guy will see me. He said, aren't you Lorica? I go, yeah. He said, man, I've seen the greatest game, and I had, I'll cut him off. Youngstown South. Yeah. <laughs> it was Youngstown, and it was on cable. See, that was the great thing. Besides the fact that that place was packed, it was cable that even made it bigger because yeah. everybody saw it, and you had announcers which made some of the plays. There were some dunks. There were some big dunks, some some uh, great blocks. Teddy Jenkins still made one of the greatest blocks ever in, a, in basketball since I've ever seen it. The guy was on a breakaway, and Teddy was only about 5'10", and come across. And he come across with the correct hand. And I know people. If if any of you three people are listening, there's there's a there's a <laughs> <Hey> way. <now. laughs> Build an audience here. <laughs> there's a way of blocking a shot. Believe it or not, as a guy goes in for a right-handed layup, you come across with your left hand, which brings your body away from him, but yet your hand's still up here. If your right hand is up, your body's going to go into him. And and Teddy come across with just a great left hand. Jimmy Jimmy Gilmore had some great dunks and 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 the uh, it was just the, the second quarter was the what people will tell me is the best second quarter of basketball they ever saw. And see, our dunks were a little bit different. <laughs> You're six foot six. That's an easy dunk. These kids were six three, six two, and they were they were flying across. And I got a dunk highlight. I I got you know. I got trouble a little bit with some of the technology today. I'm I'm hanging tough. I got my iPad, and my iPad is the greatest, okay? I know how to put people's faces on other people and stuff like that. <laughs> I have the greatest time doing that. But back in the see back in the day, you had a you had to do that on a Xerox machine. You had to have two people, two two cutouts and you cut the head out of one thing and cut the body out of something else. Then you put it on the Xerox machine. Now 
Now you had, a, you know, we used to do that in teaching mm-hmm. sometimes. We'd put some teacher's body on somebody else's head, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like take the English teacher and put it on the macho teacher's head, yeah, yeah. okay? So, uh, yeah, I lost it on this one, but uh, where were we at? Youngstown South. Youngstown South, yeah. okay. It was the fact that the crowd was 4,000. The fact that Cablevision... And we were the underdogs, even though we had a little better winning record. But the second quarter, everybody tells me, is the greatest game they ever saw. That's how this uh, this conversation started. A little bit on Harding. We had a couple of real good teams at Harding. Um, this is Harding when you coached yes, after consolidation. Yes, after consolidation. We, that wasn't as hard as anybody thought it was. It might have been a little tougher in football. The, the only problem I had in basketball was a couple of kids didn't get a chance to play who would have played if there were both Harding and Reserve. But it was a necessity. It, it was yeah. an absolute necessity. Now, I will not try to be controversial, uh, but they asked me whether I wanted to be on the selection, not the selection committee, but the committee to, you know, make the changes in, in, in athletics. And I declined, thank God, um, because it was a no-win situation. Yeah. You know, I had my opinion at the time. Uh, I, I wish they would have – I wish they would have just went to Warren Senior High School. Uh, I wish they would have combined the colors. I wish they would come up with a new mascot. That was my thoughts, but – uh, I kept them to myself and did not get on that committee. And there's still people mad in this town today of the people who were on that committee. So it was one of the better moves I made. Uh, but we put the team together that summer, and it was ironic. All I did was basketball that summer. Uh, I also worked for the Youngstown Pride. I remember them. And and had a chance to be on Mickey Monus's plane and go to a couple places and, and, and meet some college players that I knew it was six foot five and under, and it was a quick league. I mean, it was it was quick basketball, and uh, it was funny because Bob Patton, who I talked about, um, needed a coach who knew how to run. Now, everybody thinks they know how to run, and I'm not saying I do, but he was not a running coach. He was a, he is the master of the set play. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, get into uh, any type of game in a set play with him because he just knew him one after another. Had a great summer with him. Uh, great coaches, Dick Deneman from Austintown Fitch, Matt Creamer, who has gone on to coach. Uh, he's still coaching right now. He's at Canton Central Catholic, coached at Maslin, Lima. But I was with you know three great guys and got a chance to meet people that I never would have met before. I was in Mickey Monas's plane, which was you know you, you think about going to the airport and. It's like a two-hour process. Well, we got up to Vianna, and it was a 15-minute process. What a great way to fly, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a great way to fly. And I, re- I remember it was the summer of 1990, and all of a sudden, he pulled out this big thing like, like a walkie-talkie, all right? And it was it was one of the first cell phones. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's talking oh, to yeah. people down on, on Earth, and I'm going... You know, I, I just kept my mouth closed, which was hard for me to do, as you can see. But I I just get in that plane and shut my mouth. And Mickey was a unique human being. Never mean, but there would be a day he could sit next to you and not talk to you. I don't know where he was at, 
but he had nothing to say. The next day, he would talk your ear off. Hmm. It, it, it was it was a little bizarre, but it was it was a, just another great experience. I think the, what people have to understand about coaching is that it's just not that Friday, Tuesday, Friday game. It's all the things that go with it that are just phenomenal. And let me give you an example. Our coaches did our game program, usually 80 pages. They'd go out and get the ads. We got a little kickback from the, I don't mean kickback, but we were able to use that money to play pay for our kids to go to yeah. uh, camps, yeah. pay for that little extra jacket that the, that, that the school wasn't going to buy for you and all that kind of good stuff. You know, I, I probably went to 20 high school games this winter. There was not a school, and I'm trying to think of whether there was one, that even had a game program. Hmm. Some schools did not even run a copy of the roster off to give to you when you came in. That's that that is a change in the world, believe me. That's what most schools are doing now? Most. Huh. Nothing. Some some had roster, a sheet a sheet of paper, but no program where, you know, there were ads in it and kids' pictures and stuff like that. It's a dying thing. Hmm. I don't know if people don't want to go out and try to do it or these are just they're fighting this economy where, you know, you're the sunrise in. There's only probably six people a day coming in and asking you for right. an advertisement. So Yeah. That's that's a big change that way. So in, with reserve not having traditionally the height that you would like a basketball team to have, what give me in our final few minutes here, what what how did you work around that? What what were some of the things that you tried to instill in a team? Like when your tallest guy six four, and you're going up against a team that has three guys six four, six five, six six. We ran all the time. Just ran. We we ran, and but we ran. Um, <laughs> I would like to think we ran organized. Our kids were numbered, one two three four five. Um, there was some interchanging. A kid may come in, he would be a three and. The other kid would be a two, but we 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 harped on that every night what your number was, uh, and that it, in basketball there are six situations, and in five of them you can run. Uh, the only time you can't run is on a dead ball ball out of bounds. So you have a made shot, made free throw, you have a missed free throw, you have a missed shot, and you have a turnover, and. If we ever do this again, I'll bring you some some uh, CDs and you watch it and you can all see it if you're mm. looking for it. If you don't know what you're looking for, it's like me watching soccer. I know they're doing things. Something. Yeah, I know <laughs> they're doing something. The only thing they're not doing is scoring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I wouldn't be any good in soccer because you really can't fast break in soccer. Right. You, there has to be a guy back behind this line or something like that. Um, but that's another story. I, I appreciate soccer athletes. I just have a hard time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for that guy to scream goal. Yeah. All right. And uh, but we did. We that was probably the key running. Uh, we had our offenses, but the key to our offenses. And believe me, I didn't learn all this on my own. Uh, I had I had I had dedicated. 
Uh, I say they were goods. I say they were great. But you can say somebody's great and good, but dedication will take over that. If they're dedicated to doing something, and, and, and we assigned our assistant coaches to do things. And I learned that from John Lawhorn, uh, Coach Booba most of the time, or Coach Delbane, and it changed over the years, were our, our defensive coaches. So when we went to practice, it was their job to have the defensive drills ready to go. That took pressure off of me. And it gave them a, a feeling of self-worth. You know, Frank would go home and he would have the he would know who we're playing that week and look at the scouting reports and all our breakdown defensive drills were set for the teams that we played. Uh, if we had a team on Saturday, he would sneak, he, you know, he would do both of them. Instead of just one at a time, he would sneak them all in. Uh, and our JV coach would always, when we did go five-on-five, five, we didn't do a lot of five-on-five. Five. I was never a five-on-five five guy. Uh, we'd go five-on-five five maybe four or five times up and down the court and would stop and do some other stuff. I just I just hated scrimmage, and I just uh, – it, 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 unless you had a practice – unless you had a purpose behind that 20 minutes uh, and not stopping it and doing things, I wanted to explain stuff. So we would go five or six times up and down the court. But uh, – uh, the JV coach would always watch something, but I always had somebody watching someone. So if, quote, the first team, all right, and I was watching the offense, Coach Booba would be watching the defense. So, so it wasn't like we left that 8, 9, 10 kid out. There was always somebody watching him during our 5-on-5 five five or 4-on-4 four four drills. And I, I think that made a big difference, real big difference. Assistant coaches running, um, you know, this is important. We had a great support staff. And if we've got any time left, we had, for some reason, a guy by the name of Jerry Church, early in 1980, took a liking to us. I don't know why. I don't know where he came from. Uh, took a liking to us. And he was a camera guy. And I've got pictures that nobody else could have of us in the locker room, uh, different places where Jerry took these pictures. And, th and thank God, if Jerry's, I'm sure you, he knows, he knows. We had our own team doctor. Mm -hmm. Not just the doctor who showed up at the games, but our kids would go to him. He would have our kids over his house. Dr. James Laser. All right. We had an outstanding scorekeeper, Gary Burcini, who took stats and kept score. Our principals were behind us. A lot of places coaches fight the administration. I never had to fight the administration. I mean, I, it, it, it was, they were on our side because they knew that if we did well, our kids did well, and the student body came, and there was some kind of excitement and some kind of pride. But we just, uh, we had a trainer even, not just the doctor, uh, uh, Lauren Less. His yes, name big Mr. Tall Less. Lauren, Mr. Yeah. Less. He was my teacher, I yes. think history teacher. We, we had a trainer. Uh, later on, uh, Ron Savangros, who was my student in the mid-70s, uh, then I taught with him. Uh, he became a trainer, but we had our own trainer. Uh, we had police who wanted to be with us. Uh, Bill Carnahan, he wanted to be there for every event. He went with us on the bus. Uh, 
it just goes on. Our is it, a word to choose called support staff. Mm-hmm. Now people can use it, but do they really have it? Mm-hmm. And we had a support staff that was over and above. But then again, you got that support staff. You got to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So we had a we had a rebounders club. So every Wednesday night, my butt was in front of. 10, 12, 15 people talking basketball, running the scouting report off. So they would have our scouting report. They would go to a game, and they would feel good. Yeah. Okay? And it's just a total, total program that helped us the most. Yeah. So on a dead ball now, I'm gonna we're going to wrap up the show. I want to go over some of your accomplishments that you had so kindly you, you given to me. You don't have to do that. A couple of No? Well, it's going, on, it's going in the show notes anyway. Um, so I'll just do this one then. The most important one to me is this one. The record versus Warren G. Harding. Warren Western Reserve, 35 wins. Warren G. Harding, 20 wins. That's the most important record to me. Go Raiders. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate <laughs> you coming on my show today. I'm very thankful. So maybe we'll get together and do a part two. I would love it. And uh, I want it on I, video this next time because yeah. I got dressed up for this. <laughs> I think we're going to maybe take your picture here in a little bit. No, no I'm just kidding. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> We'll do a, maybe we'll do a round two and we'll get into some more stories. I want to hear okay. some more uh, game okay. stories against South Ray and Wilson. Those Got teams down in Youngstown were they were monsters. Oh, they were back they, in the they, day. they they were good. And then you had to go. You also had to go to play Ursuline and Mooney. Mooney yeah, on those courts were ten foot longer. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Were those NBA length? Yeah. They're, they're ten. They're ten foot longer. That fast break took a little yeah. bit longer. <laughs> we uh, never got a lot of fast break hoops at those places. Well, thanks again, Coach. Okay, I appreciate thank you. it. My uh, privilege. Defend Warren.